So why don't we uh, give a round of applause and a welcome to our speaker for the night, Pastor Don Wilkerson. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Um, you always give me a good introduction. I should take you with me when um, times in the past when I've been on tour. Should have taken you with me. And uh, good evening. Wow. Um, I, I asked him to change the order a little bit tonight because um, we live in Virginia. And um, I, I, I like to uh, head out of the city when it's late. Um, and so we're going to head out of the city and stay in New Jersey on our way home. But tonight, I, it's a rare uh, privilege for me to have uh, my first wife with me. My wife, Cindy. Uh, you know, I, I think it was maybe uh, 57 years ago, I'm not, I'm not quite sure, that um, uh, we, we moved in here. My wife and I moved in here on the second floor. There was an apartment. Uh, let's see, there's two, two rooms up uh, uh, when you go up, there's, there's two rooms right on the right. Uh, this, the second room was part of our apartment, and where the bathroom is was also part of our apartment. And next to us was Nicky Cruz and his wife. So, uh, and that, that's how uh, I, I, I brought a young lady from uh, a town of about 600 people or less in Vermont to Brooklyn, New York. And uh, we started here, and... Uh, We've been here ever since, praise God. And that, that, that's why it's, that's why it's always such an honor for me to be back here, uh, especially now that we uh, have, uh, you know, in the process of, of wanting to rebuild this building. And, uh, and we have this, this time back in the facility uh, it's, a, it's a great privilege for me to be able to be back here and have our services right here where we started. And I've often said, if these walls could talk, if these walls could talk, and the testimonies uh, that have been uh, given and, and, and are continuing to be given uh, uh, now that uh, the, the services are here, if these walls could talk, my goodness, what... Uh, what a great blessing it, it would be. But um, there's a lot of things I could say, but um, I asked to get it early, so I, I, I better quit talking and get to the Word. And if you have your Bibles, if you have your Bibles, now if, if, if you have a Bible, hold it up. If you have a Bible, hold it up. Okay, look around to those that don't have a Bible and say, shame on you. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. Uh, you, you just made it. You just made it. <laughs> because you, you can't go to war without a sword. So turn to the 50th chapter of, of Genesis, chapter 50 of Genesis. And uh, I want to talk to you tonight about the dreamer. But the title of this is Don't Let Your Past Become Your Present. Don't let your past 
become your present. And there was a young lad in the Bible known as the dreamer. And the dreamer in his dream saw a number of bundles of grain, but his bundle was larger than the others. And in his dream, he saw all the other bundles bowing down to his bundle. Now, the dreamer's name was Joseph, um, and he told the dream to his brothers, in which he interpreted as a future prophecy that one day the brothers were going to bow down before him. Now, you have to understand that Joseph was daddy's favorite. And he had given him a, a coat of many colors that came from, uh, what's that clothing store we, we shop at? Uh, he, he, he bought it from a, uh, he got it from a high-end uh, store, we might say, in, in modern terms. Uh, and uh, so, um, <laughs> Uh, he was was not on good terms with his brothers, and then he shares this dream. And and Joseph's brothers hated him for this. They almost killed him. In fact, they told their father that he was mauled by an animal and died, but instead they sold Joseph as a slave. In the course of time, Joseph ended up in Egypt, and he became with the favor of God, because of the favor of God, he became a high-ranking officer in the government of Egypt. And the brothers discovered at some time that the dreamer was still alive. And he became instrumental in saving them, saving their lives by selling them food. There was a famine in their land and they had to go down to Egypt and to buy grain uh, from him. And the end story is that all the brothers, plus the father, Jacob, are reunited with Joseph, and they settled in the land of Egypt. And all was going well until their father, Jacob, died, and then the brothers panicked. They were convicted by their past treatment of Joseph. And suddenly the brothers' past loomed large before them. And their past was about to enter into their present. They were sure that Joseph was going to retaliate and seek revenge against them. And it is a story of the brothers' past entering into their present. And here's what happened as we read in, uh, in uh, Genesis chapter 50. I think it's verse 21. Um, I, I, I could have the wrong verse, but uh, it, it says, The brothers talked among themselves, saying, that if Joseph is carrying a grudge and decides to pay us back for all the wrongs that we have done, that we're in trouble. We're in trouble. And here we see a powerful example of the past entering into their present. They were driven by guilt over their past treatment of Joseph. 
And with their father gone, they thought they were going to be given their due for their past sins. Now, let me say, everybody has a past for better or for worse. And when we say so-and-so, especially in this context, when we say so-and-so has a past, we're not referring to Mother Teresa. We're not referring to her past that any of us would love to have. When we say that he or she has a past, we mean the person has a troubling, and if not a, a perfect record, not a perfect record in their past life. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a past when you give it to God, because the Bible says, and I love this verse, look it up later, Micah 7, 9, because it says that he buries our sins in the depths of the deepest sea. That's Micah 7.19. God may forgive and forget our transgressions, but we may not forgive ourselves for our past. And furthermore, the devil will remind you of it as often as he can. And let me say, if you've had a past you're not proud of, you're not the first or worst with a past. Moses committed manslaughter. Jacob was a con man. Noah got drunk. The church in Corinth in the New Testament had former swindlers and slanderers and drunks, the sexually immoral, but they were converted and they became members of the church of Christ of Jesus. And I can imagine that their past probably shadowed them even after they had come to the Lord. So having a troubled past is not uncommon. However, having a past that is disrupting and troubling you in the present is all too common. And even King David said in Psalms, David committed adultery. He arranged for uh, the, the, the husband to be killed. A and God forgave him. And there's a wonderful, I think it's a 51st uh, chapter of, of Psalms when he talks about how God forgave him. But at the same time, he also said in another place, my sin is always before me. That's interesting because his sin was already behind him. But the memory of it was still there before him. So let me share with you the following points about not letting your past become your present. First of all, what, what are the challenges? What are the challenges of dealing with the past in the present? Not only may you have times to deal with your past, but so do others. And if others are not forgiving your past, that is when and how the past can affect your present. Apostle Paul had a past. <laughs> Listen to his testimony. Galatians 1.13, Paul writes, I'm sure you heard the story of my early life when I lived in the Jewish way. In those days, I went all out 
persecuting God's church. I was symptomatically destroying it. And it was Paul who was, who was at first called Saul of Tarsus. He, he was there when they stoned to death Stephen and they laid his clothes at the feet of, of Saul. And that's why Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 1.15, he said that he was public sinner, number one. And after his conversion, Paul went to present himself to the church in Jerusalem and he scared them to death. They called him a fake, a pretend Christian. They did not trust him. And so maybe some of you have already experienced, and if not, you will experience what Paul experienced when he returned and presented himself to the church. Hmm. But thank God, there was a brother named Barnabas who stepped forward to testify to the church that Saul in Tarsus was a new man in Christ, perhaps the New Testament's greatest miracle of a changed life. And listen, Teen Challenge can be your Barnabas. We want to be your Barnabas. One of the greatest things about Teen Challenge is that we can pronounce you clean, rehabilitated, reborn, and on the road to recovery. But you need to stay long enough <laughs> so the testimony can be verified and authenticated. When Jesus healed the, a leper, as recorded in Mark chapter 1, Jesus told him to go to the priest. Show yourself to the priest that, that you're cured. You know why? Because the priest was the health official at that time. And it was his, his duty, if someone uh, was cleansed or had a miracle, especially a leper, then he, he would pronounce them uh, cured and he could return back into society. Teen Challenge is that priest. That's what we do here. That's what we do. That's the gold that we seek to be able to put, you've heard the expression, the good housekeeping seal of approval, where we're the good housekeeping seal of approval for new creatures in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. Um, more than that, Jesus serves as your high priest who knows your present is not what your past is. He's the one that's most important that you need to please, even if others do not believe in you. Now, besides other people throwing up your past to you, you can be sure the devil will. The devil will throw up your past because it's his way of saying, that's who you still are. The devil will at times make you feel like a phony, a fake. And when that happens, it's his way of saying to you, I still got you. You're still mine. You can't shake the old life. You can't shake the old you. But God deals with your past by saying, <laughs> those who are in Christ, old things passed away and all things become new. But the devil says old things have not passed away and who you are is what you, uh, 
You still are what you once were. One day Martin Luther had, had a dream, and the devil came to him uh, at the bottom of his bed, and he pulled out a scroll, and, and he went like this. He said, here, Martin, this is, a, this is a list of all your sins. And Martin Luther began to laugh. And the devil says, what are you laughing at? He said, thank you for reminding me of everything that's under the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Praise God. 1 John 3, 8 says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. When the devil throws up your past, remind him of his future. There is a lake of fire that is prepared for him. Now, if the devil does not remind you of your past, your own mind and thoughts can do so. Proverbs 23, 7, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. I speak about those flashbacks triggered by disturbing thoughts and memories, night dreams, daydreams, or when engaged in wrongful conversation with another student. It's like a man who said he lost his temper and someone says, I hope he doesn't find it again. You can get lost in your thoughts that take you to people and places in your mind where you once hung out. People and places you should ask God to help you and hit the delete bank with, uh, button so that those thoughts go into the garbage. Buried in the deepest sea. Norman Vincent Peale said, you are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. A student told me one time, he said, Brother Don, I can't get rid of that special prosecutor in my head. <laughs> That's the devil. <laughs> the special prosecutor that comes to you to remind you of your past. Let me pound the gavel right now and say, therefore, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Case dismissed, not guilty. King David writes in Psalms 51.3, I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring at me. But in the same chapter in verse 7, he says, uh, soak me in your laundry. <laughs> Hey, that, that, that's why we sell soap here. It's a reminder, as, as Paul told us. Soak me in your laundry, and I'll come out clean. Scrub me, and I'll have a snow-white life. Oh, a snow-white life. <laughs> wow. Point number two. How do you keep the past from ruling and ruining your present? Define yourselves in the terms that Joseph defined himself before his brothers. The brothers thought they had to manipulate Joseph by bringing up the voice of their dead father. Listen again how they dealt with the past. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, before your father died, he commanded saying, please forgive your brothers their sin. They were referring to their past sin of selling Joseph as a lad into slavery. I remember when our son was young, one, one time he came to me and he said, Mommy said that you should not discipline He did something wrong. Mommy said, you should not discipline me for this. And uh, 
I, I, I heard about a little boy la uh, last night. Uh, he told the ba babysitter, my mommy said, I don't have to, I don't have to eat the, uh, 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 the what? Yeah, I don't, I don't have to, I don't have to eat the uh, broccoli. I couldn't find the word. He said, my, my mommy said, I don't have to eat the broccoli. Well, I'm with him. I'm with him. They thought that Joseph thought like they thought. Get even with your transgressors. They defined Joseph in terms of their own guilt, guilty conscience. They really did not know Joseph. And Joseph in the story is a type of Christ. And the brothers did not know that Joseph was not looking to get even. He was not seeking retribution. He had forgiven them. Remember the woman brought to Jesus who committed adultery? And Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin, for more. Go and sin no more. And the brothers did not realize, as each of you with your past need to realize, that in forgiveness we surrender the right to hurt those who have hurt us. That's Jesus. That's the model of Jesus. If your past is still ruling your present, it's because like Joseph's brothers, you do not know Jesus as you should know him. Psalm 79, 8 says, Oh, do not remember my former iniquities against me. Let your tender mercies come speedily to meet me. Another point that I would make is how do we not let the past rule your present? And that is have a forward focus. Have a forward focus. Philippians 3, 13 and 14. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the mark. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upcalling call of God in Jesus Christ. It really is true. It really is true that today is the first day of the rest of your life. And for every one of you, if you just grasp it, and I guess that's what we're trying to do day after day here, is for you to grab a hold of the promises of God, to know that your past is past and that you have a bright future before you. You know, uh, I, I was thinking about this. Uh, la last night at, at the dinner, um, Wilson Joes was talking about, I, I, I spent about, uh, how, many, how, how many years about, forget how, how many years, traveling the world. I mean, when, when, when Teen Challenge started and my, my brother's book, Across the Switchblade, came out, um, it was a bestseller. Uh, it went all over the world. And uh, invitations would come uh, uh, to us uh, uh, to, to minister. And so uh, I, I made many trips. I introduced Teen Challenge probably in every European country. Uh, and... Um, and so I flew a lot. And in those days, before uh, iPhones and computers and so forth, people talked to each other on the plane. <laughs> now they don't, Every, everybody's plugged into something. Everybody's plugged into something. 
and in, in, in those days, uh, when we did talk with each other, it's very interesting about Americans. Americans want to know about your vocation. What do you do? And I used to say that I'm a minister, a preacher. <laughs> and I learned, don't say that, because that shuts down the, that shuts down the conversation. It's called guilty conscience, you know. So I... So I, 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 st I start telling them that I work with substance abusers, I work with, uh, uh, with drug addicts, and the responses that I got were very, very interesting. Occasionally, only occasionally, someone say, would say to me, wow, uh, I admire you for trying to help those people. That's how they refer to you and to the addicts, those people. And, and, um, uh, and, and, that, and that was rare for somebody to say, uh, I, I admire what you're doing. Most, most of them would say, you must have a thankless job. I, re I remember they bumped me up to first class one time and I was sitting by, by this businessman and we got to talking and when I told him what I did, he looked at me and said, sir, couldn't you find something better to do in your life than to help losers? But they didn't understand, and it, it gave me an opportunity to be able to share with them what God can do in somebody's life. And, uh, and even today, even today, this, this was back in the 90s when, when I did all that. Even today, it's still the same when it comes to addiction and it comes to the life that you have lived. People cannot understand uh, that the old is gone, the new has come. I, I, I remember a pastor's wife came here one day, and, and she, she spent part of the day, uh, she sat with, with the students and so forth, and, and finally she said to me, when am I going to meet the addicts? When am I going to meet the drug addicts? I said, ma'am, you've been with them all day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what she, you know, I don't know what she, what she was uh, thinking, um, and um, you know, usually when I go to minister at a, at a church uh, or at a Teen Challenge program, they usually assign a driver to me, like I, I have Jeff help me uh, once in a while to, to drive me somewhere. And, uh, and I remember this, this, this particular person who would drive me to this particular church. And one day we were, we were driving to the church and I, I, I asked him how, how he was doing and he said, he said, Pastor, I had, I had a wonderful experience yesterday. He said, I went grocery shopping. And I said, what? <laughs> he said, I spent 28 years in prison. When he came out, uh, he came into Teen Challenge, and, and, um, uh, and, and he moved into a, a supervisory uh, position. And, and he was making a little bit of money. And he told me, he said, I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to shop. And, and, he, and, I, and I realized I was running out of money. I, could, I couldn't do that anymore. And, and, and finally, somebody said, why don't you go to a grocery store? And, and here he tells me, he, he, he describes how he, how he got, what do you call it? Um, what do you call it when you, when you push the... Shopping cart, yes. Thank you, honey. I, you know, I only have half a brain. She's the other half of it. Uh, 
and, 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 and I got this picture of him with a big smile on his face, looking all around, seeing all this stuff in a, in a grocery store or some, something that uh, even kids <laughs> know about. And he was so excited about that because that, came, that became such, such a testimony to me uh, of his changed life uh, where you can appreciate shopping at a grocery store. That, that's where the rubber meets the road when the term talks about a, a changed life. And that, that brother's gone on, he's married now, he just had triplets. <laughs> and and you, know, you know who it is uh, who used to drive me. Uh, and think of the things that you can do now that you could never do before. <laughs> Maybe you should make a list of it. What a blessing it was for me to watch and to listen last night to the choir singing. You blew me away. You blew me away. What a, ble what a blessing that was, that was. Now you can go out. You, you, may, you may not call this a blessing, but now you can go out and, and, and raise funds to help yourself and help other people instead of scheming for funds, uh, something that maybe you never did before. You can give a testimony. You can clean the toilet. <laughs> you can scrub the floor. You're involved in public relations. You're involved in, in, in community outreach. And you ought to see that as a privilege, as a privilege rather than an unwelcome chore. <laughs> Listen, I've never worked at the US Open, <laughs> but some of you have. Take possession of your present so you can enter into a new future. Put your past behind you. Let your past work for you. And my final point, final point is this. Let your past work for you, not against you. The things you ex have experienced in the past should give you empathy with those who are now what you once were. Who better to help the fallen than somebody who knows what it's like to struggle with addiction and all its effects? You ought to be a professional at compassion. Compassion will cure more sins and condemnation. And I challenge you, seek out someone now in addiction and share your testimony, share your heart with them. If you can't, if you can't pray with them, pray for them. And when the Lord gives you an opportunity, use your testimony. Use your testimony for the honor and the glory of God. Yes, you give testimony at at a banquet, or you give testimony in church, but give it also on a one-to-one on -one basis. You of all people know what salvation, that salvation is not only an eternal blessing. The wonderful thing I love about the gospel, it prepares you for heaven. It also prepares you for earth. It not only gives you eternal life, it gives you physical life in the here and now. And here, here, this is a ministry that's not just about saving souls, as important as that is. It's about saving lives. Use your past as a motivation to save someone else. And I conclude with this. Be a hero. Be a hero to someone. Think of this, take the word heroin.
suffered heroin. There are three important words in the word heroin. He and her. The word he and her and the word hero. I did a study. This blew me away. This blew me away. I've never, look, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been around a while. And I didn't, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I did a study on how the word heroin came into being. And what I found is this. It is derived from the word hero. Because when they first began to give it to people medically, the person felt that they could do anything. They, they felt that they could do heroic deeds. And as a result of that, they began to use the term heroin because of that word hero in it. The user under the influence of the drug thought that there was nothing, nothing was impossible. And they were, they were right, but they were right in a wrong way. The only thing possible was getting cured from, <laughs> from the addiction that it created. But you can turn your addiction inside out because whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And just as the word hero is found in the word heroin, I want you to know that when you are set free, you can become a hero to somebody. Isn't it amazing that just as hero can be found in the word heroin, so can a hero be found in Teen Challenge when Christ set you free? We produce... you. We produce heroes in this ministry, and that's why it's always an honor. You know, I, 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 I was thinking about, um, I, I, I was sitting here and thinking about all the places that I've been o over the years uh, in different atmospheres. I, I was in a chapel in Ethiopia that was just... Uh, a, a, a sheet of canvas over a rope, uh, some ropes, and it, it was it's the place where the, the, the Teen Challenge met. Uh, one, one of the places that probably most impacted me was in Mumbai, Bombay, what they call it, what they call it now, Mumbai, Mumbai, India, a teen challenge where at four o'clock on a, on a Saturday, the prostitutes would come into a teen challenge chapel service, and I I, I sat there and I watched the, those women raise their hands to heaven to worship the Lord, and then when the service was over, they would go back to their profession because they were still waiting. They were still waiting to get into a Teen Challenge Center. They, 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 they hadn't, uh, they, either they didn't make their decision or there was no opening for them to come in. But their heart desire was to serve the Lord. I've never been in a, I've never been in a stranger atmosphere than all, all of my life. Uh, and then, of course, I preached, a, uh, uh, you know, one of the great experiences. My brother and I had two calls to New York. One was Teen Challenge, the other was Times Square Church. And what a blessing it was for me to 
my wife and I had to be there for seven and a half, eight years, preaching one, once a week to, to a full audience, uh, worship that just blew us away. But the reason I said all that, my favorite place, my favorite place has always been to be in the Teen Challenge Chapel service, whether it was in our chapel down the street or whether it be this, this chapel, to be able to worship with you and be able to watch you worship and to be able to share the word of God uh, with you. Uh, I, I pray for that all of you will take the advantage of it. Take the advantage of what God has, has given you. Don't take for granted these moments. Don't take for granted. Think about all those that you know that aren't sitting in these seats, that are still in their addiction. Why are you here? I don't know. I cannot explain that theologically. All, not, all I know is that God in his grace has brought you here after how many years? God in his grace has brought you here. Get all you can out of this program. Get all that you can. Because God has a purpose to, for you to fulfill in your life. God bless you.